0: Good morning. Our call to worship is from Psalm thirty-three. Will you please stand with us and we'll sing together?
1: for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap, he puts the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand of him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm.
0: Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Our soul
1: Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love, that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield, for our heart is glad in him, because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you.
0: Our soul waits for the Lord, So Be
1: Please join me in our prayer of invocation. Our Father, we sing our songs to you, praising and giving thanks to you for who you are and all you've done. Your word continues to be faithful and true and your steadfast love to your people has shown forth your fidelity, justice and righteousness. By the word of your mouth and the power of your spirit, you have created all things. And by that same word and spirit, you have created new life in us through Jesus, your anointed, in whom we put our trust. Yet, Lord, although we know your great salvation, our hearts grow faint and weary as we are burdened by our sins, as we experience disjointed and strained relationships as we know and feel the sorrow of illness, pain, and death, and as we witness the oppression of the poor, the marginalized, the voiceless, and of our own peoples. Lord, remind us that you continue to work righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. Remind us that you are merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. Remind us that you do not repay us according to what we have done but as a good father show compassion, shows compassion to his children, so you have compassion on those who fear you. Father, teach us not to trust in our own counsels, nor to lean on our own plans to make our names great by our knowledge, power, and resources at the expense of others, for you bring such rebellious plans to nothing. Instead, help us to trust in your word, knowing that we are not saved by our great army's strength or know-how, but that salvation comes from you alone. Lord, open our minds by your spirit so that we might trust in and know your son who suffered, died, and was raised on the third day. And that in repentance and faith, we may know your forgiveness. And being clothed by your spirit, we can proclaim the gospel of Christ to all peoples. It is in his name we pray, amen. At this time, children are dismissed uh, for children's worship. So now is our time of confession where we can acknowledge our sin before God and lay it bare before him. And in confessing our sin, his promise to us is that he forgives our sin on on account of our Lord Jesus Christ. So join join with me in prayer together, and then we'll sing and we'll have a time of silent prayer. The psalmist writes, the earth may fall apart, the mountains may fall into the middle of the sea, the waters of the sea may roar and foam. The mountains may shake when the waters rise, but we will not be afraid, for God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Heavenly Father, I open my clenched fists to surrender everything to you. Establish my identity in you, not in my work, my family, my accomplishments, or what others think of me. Help me to remember that by faith I am united to Christ, and nothing can separate me from your love.
0: Let's sing together. Jesus, I will And I grown up
1: Please take this time to silently confess your sins before God. Merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart and mind and strength. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. In your mercy, forgive what we have been, help us amend what we are and direct what we shall be so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name, amen. Please stand and read with me the words of assurance that we receive from scripture that God forgives our sins you who fear the Lord praise him for he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted and he has not hidden his face from them but has heard their cries as Christ has welcomed us into God's family turn to one another and welcome each other in his name What are you feeling about
2: playing hideout to this week? What? We're back on. seated The Old Testament lesson is from Psalm chapter 103, 6 through 14. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. The Gospel lesson is from Luke chapter 24, 36 through 49. And the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high." This is the word of the Lord.
3: Good morning, it's good to be here and worshiping uh, with you. Um, we're going to continue our, our sermon series that we started uh, last Sunday. You'll see a note in your order. Um, and the sermon series is called New Testament Words of Life. And uh, we're using uh, a book uh, called the 15 New Testament Words of Life as a guide. And uh, each, each uh, Sunday we'll look at a different uh, New Testament book and then a, a key word or key theme from that book, and the hope is that looking at these together over time, we can see in the, the richness and the depth of what Christ has done for us, how Christ has brought life to us. Uh, today, we're looking at the Gospel of Luke and the, the book, The Acts of the Apostles. Don't worry, we're not going to cover both of those things, but the, there is the Luke wrote both of these works, and we're going to look at a passage from Acts, and the key word is, the, is forgiveness. Forgiveness. And so two books or two volumes and one author, Luke is the author of both the gospel according to Luke, makes sense, and he's also the author of Acts of the Apostles. And the gospel tells the, of Jesus' birth and of his ministry, and the book of Acts tells of the start of the Christian church after Christ's resurrection. And describing these works, Luke himself writes, I compiled a narrative using the reports handed down by original eyewitnesses. I have investigated all the reports in close detail in order to write an orderly account. Well, in this orderly account, we, just, we heard column uh, read for us that the Gospel of Luke, it concludes with the risen Jesus telling his followers to proclaim the forgiveness of sins in his name that the forgiveness of sins in his name should be proclaimed to all the nations. And the book of Acts picks up this call and and over three decades, Luke tells us about how this proclamation goes forth from Jerusalem to Judea, to Samaria, to the ends of the earth. The book is normally called the Acts of the Apostles, but uh, to be... Honest, the more you know appropriate or more accurate title could be the Acts of the Holy Spirit, or the gospel as it acts upon the world. Or really even what Jesus, the risen and ascended Jesus, what he continues to do through his people. And one of the features of the book of Acts is that there are sermons or messages of followers of Jesus that they proclaim the good news. And our passage today comes from one of those accounts that Paul is in the city of Antioch and he goes to the synagogue there and what was custom was that the synagogue would invite visitors, especially teachers, to share a word. And so Paul stands and tells them the good news. And what we'll hear him say is that through this man, Jesus, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And by him, everyone who believes believes is freed from everything. If there's anything that you remember in this sermon today, that phrase from the proclamation in Acts 13 is worth holding on to. Through this man Jesus, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed. And by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything. So this is the good word that we'll hear. Let's look at our passage from Acts chapter 13 verse 16 through 33, and then 38 and 39. You can follow in your order of worship or in your Bible. Paul stood up and motioning with his hand said, People of Israel and you who fear God, listen. The God of this people Israel chose our fathers and made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt. And with uplifted arm, he led them out of it And for about 40 years, he put up with them in the wilderness. And after destroying seven nations in the land of Canaan, he gave them their land as an inheritance. All this took about 450 years. And after that, he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. Then they asked for a king and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin for 40 years. And when he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do all my will. Of this man's offspring, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus, as he promised. Before his coming, John had proclaimed a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John was finishing his chorus, he said, What do you suppose that I am? I am not he, no, but behold, after me one is coming, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to untie. Brothers and sisters, children of Abraham and those among you who fear God, to us has been sent the message of this salvation. For those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers And for many days he appeared to those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are now his witnesses to the people. And we bring you the good news that what God promised to the fathers, this he has fulfilled to us, their children, by raising Jesus. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And by him everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you cannot be freed by the law of Moses. This is God's word, and it's given for our good. Well, as we look at this passage and we reflect, especially on the theme of forgiveness, I want to ask two questions to help us enter into it. The first question is why forgiveness? Why preach forgiveness? And the second question is then what is promised? What is forgiveness? So, so why? let's so start with why. Why preach forgiveness? Why even talk about this? Another way to say this is why when Paul was invited to stand, why did he conclude by with that climax, that idea? He starts by telling the story of Israel, and we see something similar throughout the book of Acts. In chapter 7, for example, Stephen tells the story of God's people. He talks about Abraham and Joseph and Moses, here Paul focuses on the Exodus and on Saul and David, the kings. And so why, after telling this story of God's promise to Israel, why does he bring it to the conclusion of forgiveness? Why is it brought to the conclusion that the whole point or the outward work is that you can be forgiven of your sins? Well, one way, just maybe to think about this is there's a couple of different observations we can make from this story. He tells the story of the people of Israel. And one observation is that forgiveness concerns sin. We know that, right? But forgiveness in the biggest of pictures actually concerns relationships. Forgiveness is about relationship. One way to think about this, that maybe it sounds strange, is to think about car insurance. Have you, uh, maybe you have some car insurance if you, if you drive. And maybe you have this or have heard about it, but something called accident forgiveness. Accident forgiveness, maybe some of you have used that in this room, you know, fender bender. Accident forgiveness. And so, you know, your insurance premium won't go up just because you get into, you know, maybe your first fender bender or have some kind of, you know, small issue that happens. And one way to think about this, you know, technically this is a type of forgiveness, right? Instead of getting the consequences, they don't fall upon you. But I mentioned this because it's helpful to think about this primarily, right? This is primarily a business deal. It's primarily part of the contract you sign with the insurance. It's not a personal relationship. And the forgiveness that Christ invites us into is not some kind of business deal, just a transaction. Rather, it's relational. If we think about forgiveness, it's about reconciliation. But forgiveness, it's about resolving what is between you and another person. And so to speak about such forgiveness not as kind of a business arrangement, but as a personal relationship that is seeking to turn back towards one another To speak about forgiveness in this way, it it reminds us that we as humans in the image of God are made for relationship, that you and I were made for connection. and The way that the scriptures talk about that connection as part of the core of who we are is that we were made to be in relationship with God, with ourselves, with our fellow human beings, and with creation. And when Scripture says that our first parents were created good and experienced life, what Scripture is saying is that they experienced wholeness and connection in all four of those relational areas. And see, the story of Israel in relationship with God is clear that this is not just kind of God doing something, but God being close to his people we just read God chose them, made his people great. He led them, he cared for them with patience. He gave them an inheritance. So if we think about forgiveness and sin in this light, then sin is not just breaking a law, but it's a lack of trust in God. It's a lack of trust in God's goodness, it's in his provision. It is the conclusion that we arrive at that we are on our own and that we must make our own way. If we think of sin in this way as a break in relationship, then it comes forth that it is us forgetting God's gifts, seeking our own provision. It's you and I reducing our work or our responsibilities to doing something you know, for myself. We forget that we're part of a community called to care for and share our gifts with one another. It's in this way of thinking that sin is coming to the conclusion that our worth derives from our accomplishments or how much we have. The less I have, the the less I am, or the less credentials I have, the less significant I am. And so we can ask why forgiveness? Why is that what is proclaimed? It's because you and I were made for connection fundamentally with God. And that sin brings a disconnection, a separation in those places that we were made to experience. So why forgiveness? One is that we are made for connection, but why forgiveness? A second observation from the story of Israel that we can see is that God's goal, the whole work of what God is doing with Israel is to reconnect is to bring connection into the places of separation. And we see this in the Exodus. The Exodus is not just about the Lord being greater than Egypt. It's not just about God acting against oppression. Those things are true. But in the Exodus and bringing Israel through the wilderness to their land, God is over and over again affirming relationship. You are my special possession, my special people. God invites Israel over and over again to trust his leading, his provision, his mercy, his ways. And God ultimately invites them into a life in which they can say with God, I am your God and you are my people. We see it in the Exodus, but we see it also in Saul and David. They ask for a king. And in saying that David is a man after God's own heart, we see the purposes of what God's doing is to bless Israel with an anointed leader who will represent him, who will bring justice and care for the weak, who will establish a community that expresses the connections that we were made to experience with God and one another and creation. And we see this goal of reconnection ultimately in the person of Jesus, so that's what, if that's what God's trying to do, if God's trying to work forgiveness to reconcile, then we see that God himself takes on flesh and draws near. God's very heart dwells with us. This story is a story not about Israel's strength. It's not a story just about good theology. It's the story of God who because of his great love does not turn away even in the face of our sin and separation. And what I hope that we can see in this first question of, of, of why forgiveness, when the Bible speaks of forgiveness, it's, it's not just talking about a thing that you receive. Going back, it's not just kind of a transaction or a business arrangement Rather, to speak about forgiveness is to speak about a person, that we receive not a thing, but we receive God himself. And God's great love for us, he offers and extends himself to us to reconcile sinners to him. And so why talk about forgiveness? It's because your fundamental connection, what you were made to be connected to, has been disrupted. Disrupted. And sin is not just you breaking God's law, but it is you being separated from God and yourself from one another and from this world. And what God's goal is for you in your life, what God's goal is to release you from the burden of shame and guilt, the burden of isolation, and to reconnect you to himself. And it's out of that reconnection with God that we can begin to explore what it means to know ourselves again, to know one another, and to know this world that he's given to us. So why forgiveness? Why forgiveness? Because it invites us not just into thinking about what laws we've broken, but it invites us into a whole new world to think about why we're here and what God's trying to do in us and through the church and in this world. Well, the second question is, after asking why forgiveness, the second one is, what is promised? Or, or, or what, what is forgiveness? What, what is promised to us? And we can return to Paul's account. You know, he talks about the Exodus. He talks about the history of Israel. He talks about the kings. And then eventually now, it's, he moves towards the end of the story. He talks about what we could call signposts, signs that direct things beyond themselves, And so he speaks about David and about John the Baptist, saying that these individuals were pointing beyond themselves to one who would be greater. One who is described as Savior. This promised offspring of David was condemned and killed by the religious and political powers, yet God raised him from the dead. Jesus died, was buried, and rose again, And this resurrection Paul is trying to say is that this is the sign that the story has reached its fulfillment. That he is the one through whom God is at work to reconcile all things to save what has been separated. This one who died and rose again, in him the barriers of separation have been overcome. In him new life is breaking into the world. And this new life What is being promised is all about the forgiveness of sins. And what is promised to you and to me. It's what I said in the beginning when I said to try to hold on to a phrase that by Christ, everyone who believes is freed from everything. Two key words here, everyone and everything. Everyone. Everyone? Do we really, when we say everyone, do we really mean everyone? We know in our world today, when people say all or everyone, they don't always mean everyone. Here the gospel invites us to think of everyone. There's a poem called Like Others by Jane Hirschfield. This short poem goes like this. In the end, I was like others, a person sometimes embarrassed, sometimes afraid. When fire was shouted, some ran toward it, some away. And I was neck deep among them. This poem invites us to think about the idea of a human universal experience, sometimes embarrassed, sometimes afraid, sometimes running towards things and sometimes running away. The gospel says it's for everyone. And part of the wonder of the book of Acts, if you read the book of Acts, is that that is what's kind of mind-boggling for the people, that it's not just for the Jews. The story of Israel being fulfilled It's not just for the Jews, but it's for the Jews and for the Gentiles. For those with strength and those who are weak, those who are far and those who are near, all are invited to faith in Christ and baptism in his name. Christ's promise, Christ's work is the same for everyone who believes, for the rich and for the poor. And what is being promised is what we could call complete justification. That you can be fully declared right and righteous before God, forgiven. Paul wants to be clear the, the law of Moses can tell us what is good and right. The law can tell you, the rules can tell you what we should do or what we shouldn't do. I was a little sad. There used to be a big poster over here that had the rules of the lunchroom. And I thought, how many churches have lunchroom rules on their wall? But the the rules can tell you what you should do or not do. But the law of Moses cannot make you righteous. It cannot make you love God with all your being or love your neighbor as yourself. But Christ can do something else. For everyone who believes, he can justify you, meaning that before God, that you stand as one fully accepted, forgiven, and declared right. In Christ, by his life, death, and resurrection, he faced all that stands against us, all that would condemn us, all that the law says that we have or have not done. He stands over and against all those things, saying that we are with him, and that he has dealt with him, and that we are righteous with him. So why would we go on trying to find our identity or find these relational areas reestablished with God or with ourselves or with others? Why would we try to reestablish them by what we do? By our law-keeping? Paul says there's something better. And that the gift is for everyone and it concerns everything. It concerns everything. We could spend a long time thinking of list, right? Our wickedness and our foolishness. The things that we know that we should not do, yet we do. The things that we know that we should take care of, but yet we do not take care of. Our failing and our rebellion, our shameful greed and our lying, our lust and our cheating. Our joy over the failure of others. Our harsh self-righteousness or our judgment of others. Who are different from us Paul invites us to think of all the lists all the things that we have failed to do or that we have done the things that fill us with shame and says that Christ deals with everything the author Mary Oliver trying to describe the human experience pictures two different things she says often life is like being covered with all sorts of heavy jackets Heavy jackets that are thrown over your shoulders and that you want to take them off or want to remove them, but you don't know how. Or it's like carrying a bag of stones. Everywhere I go, I have to carry this heavy bag of stones. Even when the event calls for dancing and light feet, I still have this bag of stones with me. And Jesus invites us to think of all those things, the jackets that would cover us, the stones that we carry with us full of shame and burdens of guilt, everything. Everything. Christ has come to deal with everything. Even our sophisticated and flashy pride, even how we can make ourselves look better than others or know the right answers or be able to handle whatever comes our way. Christ came to deal with that as well. Part of the wonder of this promise that everyone who is in Christ is freed from everything as in Romans 5, elsewhere is Paul, the same one giving this message in Antioch. He writes that where sin increases, grace abounds all the more. Where sin increases, grace abounds all the more. And part of hearing this word from Acts 13 is this: is this wonder, can you and I believe that? can we actually believe that everyone can be freed of everything and that when my sin abounds, grace of Christ abounds even more? That the shame and guilt that covers me, that Christ is ever outstripping it by his abounding love and grace. My hope for you and for me is that we would remember these promises, especially in the moments when we feel that the depths of our lacking, the shame of how our thoughts or our words or our deeds are you know, seemingly you know, putting us beyond what God would be interested in. What we see here is that God's very purposes for us, God's very work is to reconnect those who are separated by his grace and through his forgiveness to reestablish that which is broken and to cover us and to free us from all that would seek to claim us. This is the good news of Christ. By him is the forgiveness of sins. And by him, everyone who believes in his name is freed from everything, amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for who you are and we thank you for your good word and we pray that it would change us. It would lift our hearts and give us strength that would meet us in our shaking and our fears in our shame. It would lift our lift our heads, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: We please stand with us and we'll sing together. Rock of ages class.
3: Almighty God, your faithfulness to us knows no boundaries. Grant us eyes to see your patience and your love for us as we join with your people on earth and all the company of heaven in the unending hymn. God's word, we're now invited to come to the table that God sets for his people. Uh, In Jeremiah 31, there is the promise that when God restores his people, that he says that he will cover their guilt completely, that all their iniquity will be pardoned. And he goes on through the prophet Jeremiah to speak about that forgiveness as a new foundation for a city that will be filled with joy. A forgiveness, a foundation in which people will gather again to see one another and to relate to each other in a way that is brand new. That foundation is the work of God and bringing pardon into the face of our iniquity, grace, and our sin. And I think that image in many ways is a picture of what the church is meant to be. A people gathered with a foundation of forgiveness that we learn to see God in a new way through his grace and to see one another in a new way through his grace, to see this world in a new way. And so as we come to this table, this table is a reminder, again, that God has gathered us as a people, as a family, connected by our forgiveness with him that we may learn to forgive one another. That this table is not for the strong or those who are able to kind of climb over others, build their own foundations, if you will, This table is an invitation for those who would know their weakness, know their need for God's grace. It would also be a table for those who are seeking to learn to live as servants, as Christ, to mark with forgiveness and grace, to set aside our strength to care for the weakness of another. So this table is an invitation to come and to see the work that God has done, this foundation that forms a new people. If you have faith in Christ, if you know of your need for his mercy and to be reconnected to him through Christ, then come and eat and drink of this table, that we may be a people who are marked out as part of that new place. If you're not yet a follower of Christ, let this table be a witness and an invitation to you to think about what it would be to have relationships reconnected by the grace and forgiveness of God. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for who you are. We thank you, Lord, for your grace on display to us through this bread and cup. We pray that by your spirit you'd meet us and strengthen us, that you'd nourish us, that you'd prop up our weakness, that we may learn more and more to walk in your ways. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. On the night that he was betrayed after giving thanks, Jesus took the bread and he broke it saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For as as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. I invite you to come down the center aisle and receive the bread and the cup, and you can go back on the sides. Um, And I ask that you'd hold the elements until everyone's been served that we can eat and drink as one family. If you're not taking communion today, we still invite you to come forward. You can just uh, put your arm across your chest, and I'm happy to offer a prayer blessing for you here at the table. Those who are serving can come forward at this time. Christ's body was broken to make us whole. Let us in faith. And Christ's blood was shed to cover all of our sins. Let us drink in faith. In response to this table, I invite you to stand, that we can pray and sing as God's people. Lord Jesus Christ, we hold fast to your promise. If the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. We rejoice in your sure forgiveness and steadfast love. With thankfulness, let us proclaim the mystery of faith. our faith in the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures he was buried he was raised to life on the third day in accordance with the scriptures afterwards he appeared to his followers and to all the apostles this we have received and this we believe amen please be seated we're going to continue our worship through a time of giving a chance to respond to, to god's generosity and invite the, the greeters to come forward there is a, a gray basket you can put your offer I mean your your communion cup in and then a silver plate that you can give a gift if you would like to give to the work of the church you can also you'll see that there is a way to give to the website or by text as well you can look in your order uh, also just want to say welcome again especially if you're visiting I'm glad you're here there is a, a black um, info pad under the the chair closest to the center aisle and ask that you would pick one, pick that up if you're close to that and fill it out and pass it down so you can know who you're worshiping with. And if you're visiting, it would be great for you to share uh, information. We'd love to be able to follow up and share more about the church with you. Uh, A couple other uh, kind of reminders is that after the service, there is a time of of hospitality, of of bagels and coffee. Um, It's in the hall right behind us. If you go back into that hallway, you'll see tables there with bagels and coffee. Please uh, help yourself and it's a chance to Spend time with each other, get to know each other better, and also just a reminder, uh, again, that if you are interested in the authored uh, lunch uh, after church, there's information in your order of worship, In the you'll back here to see the Everlasting People book event uh, today. Uh, Matt Milliner will be here to share about that book. Uh, you can read more about it uh, there. Uh, if you didn't RSVP, it's still okay to come. We'd love to have you stay after and, and hear more about uh, that work and that discussion. It's at the community space of our Rockwell, just around the corner. Let's continue giving our gifts to the work of God.
0: Stand with us for the doxology. Praise God, from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him.
3: receive now God's blessing. May the love of God the Father, the grace of our Savior Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and always. Amen. Go in peace.